1: Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
0: A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes!
1: Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear.
2: It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. This week's guest, Colt Nost. You've been seeing him on CBS. He's got his podcast subpar um, and he's someone I've known for a long time, one of the good guys on, on the PGA tour. Um, I think one of the reasons why he's become so successful and become a fan favorite. Um, and has people that hate on him on social media is because Colt is Colt. Um if you like him, that's okay. If you don't like him, he doesn't care either. He's going to be who he is. Um, but someone who I really respect, not only as a broadcaster, but Colt was a hell of a player. Um didn't have the big wins on the PGA Tour, um, obviously, that I think he would have wanted, but an unbelievable amateur career and um, you know certainly someone that I think is going to be around in the game of golf on the airwaves at CBS for a very, very long time. Uh, when I decided to do the podcast, he was somebody that um, I always wanted to get on, and, and we talked about it at the uh, US Open out in LA. I said, hey, will you come on? We We our our stars aligned and our dates aligned, so um, I'm really excited. I think it's a great one. Lots of good things to say. Colt Nost, enjoy. Colt Nost joins the Son of a Butch podcast. I've never been on your podcast, subpar. So I wanted to get you on mine first, Colt. Um, With all the craziness, we just craziness in golf. um, We just had the third major. I figured.
3: Who best to make sense of all this craziness than you? (laughs) Well, first off, it was great to catch up with you out at the U.S. Open. Got to spend some time with you and Dustin and A.J. and Wink, and I miss you guys. Obviously, I know you're still working with some of the tour guys, but it's just not the same. I uh, always are some of my favorite people to catch up with when we're on the range out there. Uh, That that was a blast out in L.A. You mentioned Dustin Johnson. I,
2: I went through, he was on your Walker Cup team in 2007. Um, you guys won against Roy McElroy, Danny Willett, um, Royal County Down, one of the iconic. Um, I'm just going to go through the list of the names on your Walker Cup team. Ricky Fowler, Billy Horschel, Dustin Johnson, Chris Kirk, Trip Keeney, Jamie Lovemark, Jonathan Moore, Webb Simpson, Kyle Stanley. That was a stacked, stacked Walker Cup team.
3: Yeah, that was so much fun. You know, we hadn't won over there in quite some time. So uh, heading over there, I, I had never been over there and played golf, was looking forward to it. And, you know, to put on the red, white and blue, I don't care what level you're at. It's something really special. And, you know, to play alternate shot with your guy, Dustin Johnson, both days, we had so much fun out there, man. Yes, he is, he is one of the biggest characters. I'll tell you a quick story um, about your guy, Dustin. The first tee uh, on Saturday, the first matchup, we're playing Roy McIlroy and a kid, Jonathan Caldwell from Northern Ireland, Royal County down, obviously, Rory's the man over there and the all the galleries following our our group and you know they announced the the matchup and dustin we decided dustin's gonna hit off the odds and they say now representing team usa dustin johnson he hit it before they finished saying his name and i just start laughing i go what was that he goes bro i was so nervous i had to get that over with he hit it 400 yards off the first tee it was something i'll never forget i laughed going down the fairway the entire time obviously colt a lot of those
2: players went on to do some amazing things, uh, win major championships. Jamie Lovemark was supposed to be the next big superstar. But back then, I mean, you, you were coming, you were part of that crew. You won the Publinks that summer. You won the USAM. So you guys, a lot of fanfare. Everybody knew that that was a pretty stacked, stacked group. Who did you think out of your crew on that team? Who did you think was going to be the superstar back then?
3: I think we all agreed and it was it was Dustin. I mean, not to continue just talking about him, but you could just see the natural raw talent, right? I mean, he hit it nine miles. He had no fear. I mean, once he figured out how to dial in the wedge game, he had all the tools to be a monster at the next level. And um, yeah, it was it was him. I mean, Buddy Marucci and I, I remember we were sitting down one day just talking about it. We're like when this kid figures it out, he's gonna be a problem in professional golf, and he sure was or still is. Rory McElroy was
2: part of that crew back then. What was Rory like as an amateur? I mean, how old? I mean, Rory was young then.
3: He was 18. Yeah. Coming off that awesome um, finish at Carnoustie, I think, in the Open Championship. He was with uh, some pictures came out last week at the U.S. Open of him and Ricky. He was uh, he was a chubby Rory. Things have changed quite a bit. Chubby him, and but, the Afro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had some terrible curly hair, um, which I like to give him a hard time about. But he was still he's he's just like Rory is now. So nice. You could see he had so much talent. Uh, playing against him in that first match was, was a lot of fun. I mean, Dustin was just shipping it by him because he teed off on the odds as well. But you could see he had all the game. Now, did I think he was going to do what he's done in the game of golf? No. So that was a little bit of a surprise. But um, it's cool to look back and see that, you know, I've known these guys since 2007.
2: What do you think separates, you know, there have been a lot of people that have played on Walker Cups, Colt. I mean, you were part of that crew. I mean, What do you think separates – the guys that come from that and then go on to, to do really, really great things. Is there, a, is there a common theme? I mean, obviously, Rory won a major, Danny Willett won a major, DJ, Webb Simpson. They've all won majors. What do you think is a common denominator that all of you guys had that helped you get to that next level? Because I think so many people listen to this that are trying to play like they listen to your pod as well. They're trying to play. They're trying to get to that next level. And you know, professional golf is littered with... Superstars. I mean, a great one I saw last week who I see every now and again, Ryuji Amada, Trevor Immelman, who you work with at, at CBS, always says Ryuji amada when they were juniors, was LeBron James. He was <laughs> just an absolute superstar. I mean, so much talent, won everything. It didn't translate into a superstar career. Is there anything that you've seen that, that has been a common theme of all these players that have made it um,
3: and gotten to the show? well like all of them have great physical talent it's just whether or not they believe in it and guys like Dustin, guys like rory i mean they have that self-belief they have i mean it's it's cockiness let's be honest and it's not they don't express it outwardly but inside they know they're the best they belong and professional golf is just a different level like for me when i finally got out there it, it's like oh my god there's phil mickelson there's tiger woods you know there's these there's davis love the third i'm like holy shit i've actually i've made it this is incredible and it's it kind of, it takes you, not everybody gets comfortable immediate, like, immediately like a Dustin Johnson, a Justin Thomas, a Jordan Spieth. It takes a while. Like Matt in a great example. He's had an unbelievable career, but it took him a long time to get out there on the PGA Tour and finally get it done. So I think the self-belief is such a huge thing because we we don't, I, I don't think we realize how lucky we are to see a guy like Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, um, Jordan Spieth come right out of college and just have a major impact on the PGA tour. There's not many of those because it's, there's some learning curves involved.
2: You talk about confidence and cockiness. Um, Wyndham Clark, who I know your boys with, he lives in Scottsdale. Uh, I think one of the best things about Wyndham is he has always thought he belonged. He was all, he always has thought that this is right where he should be. Nobody is less surprised that he won a major championship than Wyndham Clark the confidence and I think that is a is a huge huge part of what makes him a great player
3: yeah I mean his his sports psych. I mean that's what she was preaching to him all week was you know play cocky uh you know the crowd's not on your side with with the guys like Dustin um he, he was in the final group with Ricky Fowler and then the next to last groups Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler I mean Wyndham was hardly talked about heading into the into the weekend out there here's a guy at one PGA Tour event and that just recently happened but Wyndham was a guy who was really hard on himself throughout his career, and he expected so much of himself, like you said, and Julie Ellion has done some awesome work with him to get him to calm down, relax his caddy John Ellis, but he's one of those guys you know, everyone on the PGA Tour, everyone on the, in, in professional golf can hit it. You walk up down the range, you're like, good, good, good. Wyndham's got a little different sound to it. I mean, 190 mile an hour ball speed. It's a different do everything. Yeah, and that's 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 special. There's only a handful of guys, I would say, for you and I, when we walk up and down the range, we're out there every week that you're like, okay, that's that's different right there. Why do you think it took him a little longer than it he probably thought it would take? He was one of those guys, like you said, he believed in himself, but he also, if one thing went bad, it was game over. He would absolutely lose it. And I mean, it took basically what his team calls it a little bit of an intervention. They sat him down were like, all right, if you want to continue, if you want to be as good as you can, then we got to change some things and and they did and he's become his own best friend now his caddy John Ellis does an awesome job i love i hate having to lay out when the players and caddies talk because that takes away from my time talking but <laughs> when John Ellis gets in there it's really good what do you think having a play, a guy on your bag cuz obviously
2: you played does it help to have someone on your bag that has played in major championships, that is, played on tour, that was a good, 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 good player. Do you think that helps? Because obviously there's two ends of the spectrum. There's a lot of caddies that are great caddies that weren't superstar players. But what do you think having someone that has been there before down the stretch? I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why my dad has been so successful with players because players know he played the PGA Tour, he kept his card, he won, even though it was a one-day event back when the PGA Tour had one-day's event. Butchie won one. He qualified for U.S. Opens. He played in.
3: What does that bring as a player when you have someone like that on the bag? It's it's hard. I think it's so different for everyone, right? Like I just I think people need somebody that makes them comfortable in these really stressful moments. And once again, I'm going to use Dustin a lot as an example because he's a freak, but Austin Johnson. He's never teed it up on PGA Tour, but he keeps Dustin so relaxed, so calm. He knows exactly what Dustin's thinking at all times. He knows what he needs to say. Now, John Ellis, great player, never made it. He's probably one of the best players I've ever seen that never made it out on the PGA Tour. Um, so, yeah, there's not many major champions <laughs> that are caddies now, so it's hard for them to be like, oh, hey, when I did this. But, yeah, I think it helps to know, like, okay, my guy, when he gets nervous, like all of us, we get going a lot faster. We get walking a lot faster. I thought one of the best things I've heard from a caddy was Joe Scovern when he was with um, Ricky Fowler. Ricky used to get to walking really, really fast when coming down the stretch, and they had a rule that Ricky was never allowed to walk in front of Joe. That was Joe's way of slowing him down, and I was like, that's some of the best advice I've heard from a caddy, just a a little trigger to say, okay, hey, you're going a little quick. You know the rule. You can't cross in front of this bag right here.
2: My dad, uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. Back in the day, I remember Tiger, when he first came out on tour, he was leading a tournament. I think it was one of the bigger tournaments that he had a chance to win, and My dad, Butchie, said, hey, do everything from the time you wake up today, do everything slower, get dressed slower. So give yourself more time, eat your breakfast slower, warm up slower, walk slower, because you're going to want to get to the first tee and you're going to want to get down there and get everything going. And I think that is fantastic. But Colt, what does it feel like? I mean, I've never played, you played. What does it feel like when you're, because I know what it's like when I'm watching you know, the, the guys I'm lucky enough to work with, you know, Brooks just won a major championship. I know what it's like for me when I'm watching that and I'm nervous and I have no idea how people like yourself and everybody else that has played professional, I, I, I don't know how you guys do it. It is It is fascinating to me how... You somehow are able to get your brain to let your body do what it's doing. But when you are in that situation, Colton, you've won tournaments before. You won, you know, one of the biggest amateur tournaments. You've won on the nationwide. When you're in that pressure situation, what does it
3: feel like? Feels like you're about to puke at all times. It is. It's it's awesome slash awful. Like you hate the feeling because I mean, you know it's, it's no fun to puke. But at the same time, you know, this is what I worked my entire life for is to get in this moment and have a chance to win. But you're 100% right. Everything gets going so fast. Like, I mean, if you're a guy that warms up for 45 minutes, you go through your warm-up and you look and you're like, okay, I still have 30 left. I thought I was almost done. Like, it is just, it's so hard to, because even though it is Sunday and every stroke counts the same throughout the whole week, it doesn't feel like Thursday. I mean, it takes that morning leading up to when you're in contention takes so long like like for those guys on saturday that teed off after 3 30 in the afternoon at the u.s open like i would have lost my mind i would have been up at seven because i couldn't sleep because i was so nervous breakfast try to go back to sleep maybe watch some coverage it would have felt like an eternity so you know there's some guys that are really good at it and that's that's why the best in the world it's incredible for me to watch them coming down the stretch at tournaments and how they control their adrenaline because the ball goes so far when you're when you're amped up and to come come there and you're you know 17 at sawgrass and i know it's a short shot but your heart's beating a million miles an hour and you've got to hit it on this little target and you know the history you don't want to be one of those guys that makes this massive number or hits it in the water on sunday and loses the championship um it, it takes that's why these guys are so great i use justin thomas says you know it's a shot that never gets talked about but if you go back to the pga championship at tulsa the year before last if they go to the playoff first hole's a par five he was forced to lay up. He had 72 yards off a downslope to a rock-hard green, and he just took this long, beautiful, slow swing, controlled it in there, put some zip on it, and hit it to, like, six feet. And I was like, that was very impressive, and people don't realize how good that was because he could have easily just gassed that one over the bunker and probably been tournament over.
2: wanted to take a moment and thank our partners at Rapsodo. If you've been listening to the pod, you know that I'm a big fan of their launch monitors, and I really like the MLM. It utilizes Doppler radar, so you can use it with your iPhone or your iPad. And the thing I like about this, it's under $300, right? So a lot of the launch monitor technology out there, a little bit more expensive. And I, and I think launch monitor technology is getting you know cheaper and cheaper because... Different companies like Rapsoda are saying, okay, how can we help the regular golfers? Yes, if you've got thousands upon thousands of dollars, there are different models you can buy. You see them on tour. But for the everyday golfer that's just trying to get better, you're going to get remarkable accuracy. You can use this indoor or outdoor. It's portable. And the cool thing is, so the shot tracer that we're used to seeing on, t- on TV behind all the players shows you the shape of the shot. The MLM has that, has performance combines. And again, as I mentioned earlier, under $300. I, I, I just think if you're trying to get better at your golf, having this type of technology for this price allows you to look at a lot of the same numbers that the best players in the world are looking at. So obviously, I work with players that are winning majors, winning tournaments, play all over the world. But when I'm not on tour, I work with regular everyday golfers. And I'm always trying to figure out ways that they can get better. And I think for under $300, you can use it with your iPhone It doesn't really take that much to set up. It's simple to use and you're going to get really, really good feedback and you're going to understand your numbers better. They've reacted my promo code just for listeners. Use promo code CH3 for $50 off the MLM plus the Premier Membership Bundle. The membership unlocks combines as well as session insights, slow motion replay, and video storage up to 10,000 videos. So... Again, the promo code is CH3 for $50 off the MLM launch monitor, plus the premium membership bundle. Rapsodo is making fantastic products. I'm a huge fan. Check them out. They can help you with your game. Have you been surprised in your new role as on course for CBS, which I think you're doing a great job. One of the things I think you're doing a great job with Cold is because you're part of this modern generation and you're part of this new generation I think you and Trevor and Amanda you guys there's some new blood in 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 television now and one of the things I like if if Roy McIlroy is coming down the stretch and he's on 17 and he's got 185 yards and he pulls out a six iron which everybody is thinking on TV you're gonna think there's got to be something wrong you expect him from that distance because of the adrenaline because of how far he's hitting it you expect him I mean nine iron and it wouldn't surprise you from that at that time of the tournament if he tried to nuke a wedge from 185 either
3: yeah it's it's hilarious when my man Parker gives me the signal of what club it is sometimes and I just start laughing I'm like these guys they hit it so far First off, walking with these guys week in and week out made me realize I definitely made the right decision to quit because you know I'm not walking with the the grinders out there that are grinding to make the cut every week. I'm walking with the best in the world and the guys that are on their game every weekend, and they're just so good. I mean, it's so hard to explain. I mean, they make it look like a video game out there. They hit it nine miles. They hit their irons to the moon and get them to land so soft, and then they get it up and down from, I mean, like what Wyndham Clark getting it up and down on eleven. Like he did, like that was just insane. Even the, one, was on crazy. 17, the one on 17 was pretty straightforward, but it, un, in the circumstances, that was unbelievable. And then they make everything they, they need to. So it's, uh, man, I feel so lucky just to be out there still walking with the guys. And like you said, I've, I have a great relationship with 99% of the, the guys in professional golf. And so, you know, they let me in. We have a lot of fun out there still. And uh, it's just, I, I'm so lucky to still get to be out there every week. Your year two into your
2: role on course Um, with everything that you've seen over almost the last year and a half, if you could take what you've learned and then go back to your professional career and start with the information that you've seen from the best of the best under the gun in the last year and a half, do you think it would change
3: the way you play golf? You know, I, it's a, it's a good question. Like, would I go back and get in the gym and do all the speed training and try to hit it a lot farther prop? I don't know. That's just not me. Like I hit it extremely straight, but I was extremely short and those guys just really, there's no place for them in professional golf anymore. Um, There's very few that still make it. So no, and honestly, I don't want to, I think this is what I was meant to do. Um, I've never been happier. I've never been less stressed and people for the most part, there are obviously a lot of haters out there. I'm not for everyone, but for the most part, uh, people seem to enjoy listening to me. What's been the hardest, what's been surprising to you? Because I've
2: done TV, they, they put me on course w- w- twice at, when I did TV for Sky and I was terrible at it. I did some commentary for um, Sky last week. By the weekend, I felt like I was getting better. But one of the things I always, what surprises me whenever you do TV is when you're watching and the abuse that you get is everybody says, shut up quit talking you're talking too much but when you're actually doing tv it's amazing how
3: little time you really have to say anything oh it's unbelievable i was especially as an on-course guy because i mean you they throw it down there you get to give information and then boom it's on to the next shot but at the same time they're like oh tell us a story i'm like well i can't tell a story in five six seconds but yeah you and one thing i have noticed is a lot more people chime in on social media some good but you do recognize the positive. There are a lot of people out there that shut up. I'm the worst thing they've ever heard on TV. That's fine. That's their opinion. Hit hit the mute button. But you mentioned like you don't realize how fast it goes. I did the Sirius XM coverage at the US Open and I was the lead analyst and I got see, I mean, it's radio. So you get to talk just nonstop. It was fantastic. That's I had so much fun you, doing Cole. it. Yeah, I didn't want to shut up. I was like, this is great. We can talk over the shot. Just keep on rolling. It's been um we're three majors in now. John Rahm wins
2: the Masters. Brooks wins the PGA. Now Wyndham Clark wins the U.S. Open. Which one of those wins um, have been the
3: most impressive to you? I mean, they're all three extremely impressive. Obviously, Wyndham, it's a life changer. John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, they're meant to win majors. Um, Johns was impressive at the Masters because of the wave he was in. He had to play in those terrible conditions that one morning and to go out there and do it. I mean, when everyone else was just falling apart and then Brooks, I mean, you know, eventually I'm sure we're going to get into this whole lift thing, which <laughs> that's what kind of what it. I get it. It is what it is. I, I said going into Augusta and no one listens to me or anything about that. And, and they don't have to, that's fine. But when he, Brooks won in Orlando, I said a healthy Brooks Kepka is a problem in major championships. He is just, you know talking to other guys talking to the, some of the best in the world they are blown away by what brooks does in in major championships it is truly unbelievable and when i what i saw in orlando it looked like the knee was great everything i mean obviously i know everyone on his team sounded like everything was great i said i would not surprise me one bit if he's a factor at augusta he was obviously a huge factor finished second and then he goes to the pga and i got to walk with him on saturday him and bryson and he just put on a clinic and he just ran away from that field. And I don't know. You know way more about it than I do. but I And I don't think he'll ever share the secret. I know he broke down that one time about why he thinks major championships are easier to win. But it's just so impressive that he puts himself up there every single time. And then, of course, I go out and I pick him at L.A. Country Club. And he, he plays horrible for him and finishes 17th. So I'll, I'll take that one. At one time, you both shared the same
2: agent, Blake Smith, who's also... um um, Scotty Scheffler's agent, when you look at Brooks, I mean, you know him well, you've spent a lot of time around him. You, you, obviously, we know the mental strength and the, that, that extra thing that he has. But when you look at Brooks's game, what do you like about it? And what, do you, what, what impresses you? And what you've known him for a long time. And what have you seen over the course of the last 10 years about how his
3: game has evolved? Nothing bothers him. Like, I mean, he wants the biggest moment possible. He wants all the lights to be on him. Um, And I just love how he just gets up there and he just sends it. He does not hold back one bit. Him and Ricky Elliott, they're two of the, I mean, they make decisions faster than anybody in the game, which, which I love. And also he has no weaknesses Um, and you can see it in his eyes. I mean, he is a man on the, on a mission. He's a, he's an athlete. Like I said, he loves the stage and he goes out there and he performs. I mean, I I know it bothered him a lot. What happened at Augusta on Sunday, how he let that one get away. And he said, it'll never happen again. And it only took a few weeks for him to, to prove that statement. Right. I think one of the things, and, and you, you've seen it up close. Um,
2: I think one of the things that has changed a lot about Brooks is I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for how good he is from 150 and in. He can really hit. I mean, obviously to me, Justin Thomas is the best in the game and it isn't even close with regards to wedge, wedge shots, off speed, wedge shots, controlling trajectory, controlling the spin, but Brooks is sneaky good in the ability to flight and hit that kind of no spin one bouncer that just kind of stays in the area that he needs to, to stay I think that's a part of his game that has gotten better. And then I think he's very underrated, the work that he's done with
3: Pete Cowan. Brooks' short game is is, is pretty legit as well. It really is. And, I mean, if you look at his major championship record again, I believe going into last week he, was, he had 18 top tens and 36 majors. Five of those are wins, obviously. But how many of those were he actually healthy? I mean, there's six, seven, eight of those where he was – he was not 100% Brooks Kepka. So you can kind of throw those out the window. And, and so when you break it down, you're looking at around 65%. He puts himself in contention at major championships. And then there was the ones early in his career where he definitely didn't have the skill that he does now. So you, you got to give him credit about his major championship record. It is it is truly something special. And when other players text you and you're and tell you how amazing, how amazed they are of how good he is during those championships, it's something truly special.
2: You live in Scottsdale. John Rahm lives out there. You can make an argument, Colt. I, I I wonder how John Rahm doesn't win every week. I mean, that is how good he is. Um, I've had his coach, Dave Phillips, from the Titleist Performance Institute on the pod um, in the past. Um, we've talked about it. It, it. He is so good. You, I'm sure you probably see him a lot in Scottsdale and play and stuff. He doesn't have any weaknesses, in my opinion, so... What impresses you about him as a player from a technique and ball striking standpoint?
3: It just looks like the same shot every single time. Like with the driver, he sets up down the left, hits that just hard fade. Um, He's really good at changing trajectories, which I don't think everyone is. And then his iron game. I mean, the ball just barely curves, if anything. He just throws darts at all times. But he's another guy like Brooks. He's got that killer instinct. It doesn't matter. If you're Sunday of a major championship or Tuesday at Whisper Rock or Silverleaf and he's playing for 50 bucks, he wants to absolutely kill you. Oh, (laughs) Pat Perez says
2: he throws more clubs at home when he hits a bad shot. Pat says he has to, when they play at Silverleaf, he says if they're playing for money, at least three times around, he's got to go into the middle of the desert and go get his driver, go get an iron, go get the putter because he just flings it because he gets so mad at home.
3: It is hilarious. It's great. And when we play now, he has to give me two aside. And so when I par my stroke hole and let him know that that's four for 3, that really gets the Spaniard fired up. <laughs> Wyndham Clark, um a
2: I mean it was a dominant impressive performance as you mentioned. Scotty Scheffler, Ricky Rory, how how good can he be Colt and is he now somebody that we are going to start seeing in major championships for the next 5 years like we see the, you know, Scotty and DJ and Cam Smith and all these other great players. Is Wyndham now, do you think he's going to be that guy now?
3: It, it'll be interesting to see how good he can get. You know, when he was in contention at Quail Hollow earlier this year, I said on CBS, I said, you know, in my opinion, this guy's underachieved in his career. He, he was ranked 80th in the world, hadn't won yet. Like, I, I just, I see all the tools and I think he's a top 20 player in the world. And of course, the, the haters on social media absolutely abused me for that and said he hadn't done anything to show that and i'm just like listen i get to see these guys every single week and when you play with wyndham clark you're impressed that's all i know so if he ever believes if ever realizes how good he is i think he's going to be really good in this game now the major championship happened faster than i thought it would he's up to 13th in the world i'm with a lot of people on this the world rankings are absolutely ridiculous so i don't know (laughs) i don't know how much i look into that but here's a guy he's going to be on the Ryder cup team this year um you know, his confidence is going to continue to grow. Can he be a multiple-time major champion? Yeah. Could he go the rest of his career and only win one? Sure. That's how good everyone out there is. I mean, if you would have told me at the start of Sergio Garcia's career he'd have one major championship, what would you have said? You're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. You. When he came out, you would have thought he would have at least three or four. Yeah. It's That's just how hard it is to win, and I think that's just another tip of the cap to Brooks to have five in this era is really special. Rory McIlroy, uh, one shot back.
2: Where are we with Rory? Um, he hasn't won a major in nine years. I, to me, there's, there's about three or four guys that you can make an argument for, John Rahm being one of them, um, Brooks, DJ. Um, right now, I think you've got to throw Scotty Scheffler in that mix. When they're playing at their best, they're hard to beat. But out of all that crew, when Rory McIlroy plays his best, to me, he makes the game look as easy as anyone. Um, It's been nine years since he's won a major. Do you think it's affecting him? Do you think he's running into guys that are playing better than he is? I mean, he's had legit chances, Colt, in the last three tournaments he's played in, especially at Memorial, especially at RBC. We're seeing Rory not get it done in ways where we've seen him close and expect him to close in the past
3: yeah he's the one that baffles me the most um I mean like you said watching him play the game when he is on it just doesn't look fair the way he drives the golf ball it is the it's the biggest weapon in the game of golf in my opinion you know he Cam Smith shot an unbelievable final round at St. Andrews last year at the open would Rory go back and probably say he played a little safe I would, I would have to say he would, uh, but still, Cam played a great round, but that's one he definitely should have won. You know, last week at the U.S. Open, made nothing on Sunday. That's kind of the thing we've seen over the last couple of years is he struggled with the putter, but there, to be fair, there was not many putts hold on Sunday at the U.S. Open in the last few groups. Those greens got so nasty, but I just think there's, there's so much pressure on Rory with everything and even before all this other stuff happened. I mean, he's one of the most popular players in the game. We expect so much from him. He won four major championships so quickly. Now he's hasn't won one in his last 33 uh, attempts, but he's just that guy. Every single time a major comes around, it's like, is this going to be the week? Is this going to be the week? He went to the Masters this year early, got a lot of work in, felt like he was ready, went out, missed the cut, and I know it took a lot out of him. Um, but it's just... There isn't, I think- Colt, there isn't a golf course on this planet
2: that is designed better for Rory McIlroy than Augusta National. It is, I mean, if you could draw up a golf course to suit every element of his game, his ability to turn the golf ball from right to left, his ability, I mean, he can hit it as high. Prob- I mean, the only person that I've seen hit it that high with mid to long irons was Tiger in the day. Yeah. Rory can hit a four iron that looks like a like a 60 degree lob wedge. It just goes straight up and lands straight down. Augusta to me is the perfect place for him to, to win every single year because of the way his game is. Why do you think... I mean, it's been funny for me to watch this kind of war rivalry back and forth between him and Greg Norman because if you look at Greg and Rory's careers, believe it or not, they're very, very similar. Number one, they are the dominant players of their era. Mm -hmm. They dominate by the driver. Everyone thinks they're underachieving relative to the talent they've got. You know, Roy's won four majors. Everybody thinks he should have won 10. Greg's won two. Everybody thinks he should have won more. Um, they've kind of, they've won all over the world. They both have the same type of private jet. I mean, it's been interesting. They both haven't been able to get it done at Augusta National, which again, Greg's game in his prime, you couldn't find a better golf course for Greg Norman.
3: Yeah. For Rory, obviously he had the he had the lead going into the second nine there, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, and he had the disaster when he snap hooked it on ten and it went into the cabins over there. And that obviously I think left some scar tissue. But starting to look at Augusta National more and more with Rory, yeah, off the tee, absolutely perfect. Long par threes, no problem. But you know, being out there, he when he drives a good, he has so many short irons. And that is the one weakness in his game, in my opinion when things get a little off is he hits some really poor short irons and wedges. And at Augusta national, the sections you have to hit it into are so small. And so when he misses, he leaves himself in a really bad spot. That's the only thing I can think of, of why he struggles there. Because for the last decade, I've always been like, okay, I don't understand how he doesn't win here every single time as well. But when I started breaking it down a little more, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. If you miss the bowl here on seven or, um, well 17, like you can get in a spot where you're in a lot of trouble but i just don't understand how by when his career is over he doesn't have at least one green jacket
2: yeah i mean you would think of and and there are there are players called as you know i mean now that you're working at at you know you work at augusta national you you i mean it's such a privilege to to be a part of that broadcast there are players that everybody knows will be unbelievable masters champions right and I think Rory McElroy to me, out of everybody in the game, for him to don a green jacket, it, he would be an amazing ambassador for that tournament.
3: Oh, 100%. Um, I think he's going to get it done at some point. But at the, at the end of the day, it is, it is so tough to win out there. I, I think he puts so much pressure on himself going into that week. Obviously, he needs it for the career Grand Slam. He needs it to shut everybody up about him not being able to finish it off there. Um, you know, he, the year before last when Scotty Scheffler won, he had the amazing final round. He hold the bunker shot on 18. Um, it finished second, but he was never really close. I mean, he was that bunker shot got him within four or five. Um, he needed to have Scotty have a disaster coming in, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't get one before his career is over. Do we see him?
2: I mean, I, I can't see a way that he's not in the mix going to Hoy Lake for the open championship, the last major of this year. Um, what do you like about? The Open Championship. What do you like about Lynx Golf? What don't you like about Lynx Golf?
3: Well, the only thing I didn't like about Lynx Golf is when you got on the wrong side of the wave because, you know, it's just that's the it's an awesome thing about that tournament how everyone tees off number one. But there are just some years where if you teed off in a certain wave, you had no chance of winning. Um, That's the only thing that is bad about it. Other than that, the Open Championship might be the greatest tournament in golf. I mean, those fans over there, they get it. Um, you get to play on some of the most historic golf courses. The scene coming up 18 is the best in golf. Uh, you know, that massive horseshoe grandstand, the big yellow scoreboard. When the, 2019, when Shane Lowry won, I mean, was there a better scene in the game of golf? Him coming through the crowd, knowing it was over in his home country, arms in the air. That, that was just cool. I Man, I get goosebumps just thinking about Shane going through there and then just absolutely putting the Claret Jug through torture for two years. <laughs> I like that. Um, you've got a fan, you're,
2: you're part of the CBS broadcast team. One of my close close friends. Uh, one of my boys, Trevor Immelman, is part of your team now. Um, you've got Jim Nance, who just—I mean, the guy is just as a broadcaster. It's you've got to have goosebumps where the first time you're at Augusta, you're you've got your headset on, and Jim Nance comes through, and you're listening to the broadcast, and that whole "Hello, friends" thing. I mean, to work with the crew that you've got, it, it's got to be pretty cool for you because you and and I think the relationship that you and Amanda now have, that kind of cool moment that you guys had at waste management, um, and I mentioned this. I think you're part of this new breed of golf, but you've got so many veterans on your team at CBS. What's the experience been like for you and and what have you really, really liked about it?
3: Well, first off, like this was never a plan of mine in my life was to be a broadcaster I had no idea that this would ever happen I'll still never forget when I got the call from CBS about doing a couple of events I was like yeah I, I guess I mean I got nothing else to do I'll give it a try and it has been such an awesome experience like you said Jim Nance I mean Jim Nance has been with CBS since 1985 that's the year I was born so I've listened to him my entire life and now the fact that I work alongside him and he sends it down and asks me a question. It, it seriously is a pinch-me moment every single... It's not just Augusta, it's everywhere. Um, the first time he ever did it was the PGA Championship at Keough Island. That was my first real CBS event. And I was just like, oh, my God, this just happened. It's uh, It's really cool. But, you know, the relationship with Amanda, you got to give our producer-sellers-shy a lot of credit for that idea to put that set on 16 at um, Waste Management. And then to have Sam Ryder make a hole-in-one, it's like couldn't have drawn it up any better. Um, Trevor... You know, him and I have a great relationship. I had a great relationship with Nick as well. But, you know, Trevor and I are a little closer in age. Um, we love talking golf. We love having fun. Uh, Frank Nablo is my guy. I mean, we, we just absolutely abuse each other out there. Finchy, one of the best to ever do it. He's been out there forever. And then you have Dottie and Mark as well, who have been so great to me and, and taught me so many things because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And they've been great mentors to me. But, you know, like I said earlier, I know I'm not for everyone. Um, I'm one of the youngest to ever do this, do this role in in professional golf. And I want to make it fun. It's it's a show. It's supposed to be entertaining. What the guys are doing out there that you're watching, that's the serious stuff. I think I I know when it's time to be serious, but at the end of the day, like I want people to be entertained. I want them to be like, okay, what is Colt going to say next? I mean, you look at the most successful shows in sports right now. There's two in my opinion, Pat McAfee, who just says whatever the hell he wants and he has one of the biggest shows on the planet and then nba on tnt with charles kenny Shaq, and ernie i mean i don't even i don't even really like the nba but i tune in to listen to that because they are so funny they're so loose and that's what people want to hear and i'm just trying to bring more of that to golf
1: Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
0: A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes!
1: Wait! Did we just invent California?
0: Discover why California
1: is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: It always takes me a little bit when I'm on TV to try and not sound like I'm trying to be on TV because that's really, really hard. And I think it is hard to kind of Find your voice, find your own personality when you're on TV. Because like you said, we've all watched broadcast television forever. We've all watched golf forever. And I think you came in, I think one of the reasons why you've been successful and why, you know, some people don't like it is you kind of take the approach that I think you always kind of talk about what's happening in golf. Like we would be talking about what somebody's doing on the range, minus the fact that you can't swear on, on yeah. you know regular TV. But I think one of the things I like about what you... There was this... I can't remember where we were, but I was watching you. I think we were at Congaree a couple of years ago and you were on course and you were going back and forth and you were talking to Nick and you asked Nick a question and he didn't answer it. And live on air, you went, well, okay then. And I thought it was just perfect... And I thought, of all the people, you know, I mean, you've got to call them. I mean, do you call him Sir Nick or
3: do you call him Nick? No, absolutely not. I always called him Nick. I was like, I'm not calling you sir. <laughs> I know that's my your dad title. Said,
2: my dad said the same thing last he was doing um, he did Sky and, and Nick was doing Sky at, at at Augusta. And my dad said, Man, I'm not calling this guy Sir. <laughs> no, no chance.
3: Absolutely <laughs> not. No, but like I mean, like you said, one of the best pieces of advice I got was from the longtime legendary producer at CBS, Lance Barrow. And I first got to know him. He would always come out to WhisperOctor in Phoenix Open and want to come in and hang out. And I would sit with him at lunch occasionally. And, you know, you know how I am. I talk to everyone that walks in the door, hold court, whatever it is. And he goes, this is what I want you to be on TV. He goes, I want the whisp- person sitting at the lunch table at WhisperOctor to be that on CBS. And I'm like, <laughs> I actually think I was like, that's hard to do. And then finally, I started getting a lot more comfortable and just realizing, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to talk just the way I am. Like, you know, Trevor and I go back and forth. We take jabs at each other all the time. I always congratulate him on finishing runner up at the president's cup. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's supposed to be fun. Like I get, I wake up every day so excited to go to work and I never want to lose that. Um, you know, in a, in a world today where you have to be so careful with what you say, because I mean, you can get canceled at any moment. If you offend anyone, that's the only thing that terrifies me a little bit, but man, I'm just going to let it all hang out. Like I, I want to enjoy this as long as I can. And when, when I'm all finished with this career, I, I hopefully go down as one of the best to ever do it. Do you think that we need this in golf, that we need
2: the broadcast to maybe change a little bit from what it has been? And you mentioned that, you know, seller Shy put you and Amanda on the 16th hole at waste management. I mean, all of the stuff happening there. Do you think that the broadcast needs to
3: change to bring in new viewers. Yeah, I mean, we want to get younger, right? You want to get younger viewers, and I have all kinds of opinions. I've only done this for a couple of years, and so I don't know if anybody would listen to me. Uh, but I get it in a day where everyone wants—they want to see more shots, more shots, more shots. That's fine, but golf's boring, and we need to tell more about these guys and. W- even if we just show Brooks Kepka hit a shot, and I've got a great story about Brooks Kepka that takes longer than six seconds, even if it goes into the next shot, like I don't understand why I can't continue to say it because it's relevant at the time. Like that's not taking away from Scotty Scheffler hitting seven iron from one eighty on the next hole. If he holds it, well, that's just really bad luck for me that I was talking over it. But yeah, I think I think the broadcast does need to change a little bit. I think it needs to be looser. Um I think there needs to be you know, they they, they always say I mean you you look, listen to what the public says they want more shots but they want more information on the guys. Well, that's pretty damn hard to do. Um you know in in my role I'm I'm out there on the range every day talking with you guys. I get some great stuff. I know what I can use and I know what I can't use. And I think the the viewer at home would be fascinated to hear some of the stuff that those guys share with me.
2: Yeah, no, I think that one of the things uh, you know it's 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 a fine line because you know you're down there and I always think that those of us that are not doing tv and there for the tournaments and stuff if you are going to say something i think those of us as coaches as caddies and you know i can't speak for players but i'm guessing they're the same if you're going to say something about a player or about what they're working on and stuff i think it lends more credibility to do it the way you do it where you're trying to get information from the people on the team you're trying to get information from the players you're trying to get the real-time information whereas you know Brandall has always taken more of the Peter Alice mold. He doesn't want to get friendly with the players. He doesn't want to come to the range. He doesn't want to it's he he doesn't want to have his view skewed by other information. How do you balance that? Because I do think that if you are going to talk, you need to talk from a position of s- strength. You need to talk from a position of knowledge.
3: So that's one thing I get asked a lot is like how do you balance, you know, being a working relationship and a friendly relationship. And I'm so new from quitting this game that, I mean, all these, a lot of these guys are still my best friends in the world. That's who I hang out with when I'm on the road. And so I'm very careful of if someone gives me something and, and I think it's interesting, I'll ask if I can use it. There is no doubt about it. And that's why I, like when I follow Dustin, I follow Brooks, like I'm texting you and asking you for in, any information because I want to know that my information is correct. I don't want to just go out there and guess and be like, Hey, this is what I think he's working on. Like, why do that when I can text Claude Harmon and be like, this is what they're working on. And so let's look for that today. If that makes sense.
2: I think, you. I mean, personally, I think you need to do that. I think if you're going to, if you're going to talk about what's going on, you better kind of have a good idea as to what the guys are trying to do and, and what they're wanting to do. Um, what have you found hard about the role Colt? Um, Anything that you found ho- hard because it looks like it's all really, really easy to you.
3: You know, ever since I got to go down on the ground, it's it's felt pretty easy for the most part. Um, you know, I, I still, you know, do all my homework and everything. But I think the thing you go back to is, you know, just you never want to cross that line. You know, I still go out to dinner with Justin, Jordan, and, and those guys when I'm on the road, and they treat me normal. But at the same time, I, I know, I I hope they know that they can trust me and that I'm never going to be like. Oh, you wouldn't believe what he said at dinner last night and and just throw somebody under the bus because at the end of the day those friendships and relationships are much more important than me, you know, saying something that I think will get me some clicks out in the media world. Um that that's that's my number one thing, but for the most part everything's been great, man. The guys are gr- great to me. I mean, like I said, going to the range at the US Open, you know, I'm always going to be out there. I'm going to be seen whether they want to talk to me, that's up to them. But I'm not shy to go up and say hi, good luck, and then if a conversation breaks out, it's great. And I think that just helps me do my job better. You know, I don't know if I help them relax at all or not, but you know, there's times when Ricky on Saturday, I'll never forget, went up and him and his, him and his caddy who I've known forever. We started talking and his caddy, Ricky Romano is a member at Mesa country club here in Scottsdale. And I said, you know, I got to play Mesa country club for the first time the other day. And it just turned into this conversation. Ricky mid warm up turned around. He's like, Oh, what'd you think? All this. He goes, "Uh, tell me more about it. And I could see Sam McNaughton just staring at me like, go, (laughs) away and i'm like dude he started this conversation i'm just sitting here please don't kill me um but man yeah everything's been so great like cbs is like when we're talking about schedule and everything i was like look guys i'll work every week i i really do i love it that much it is so much fun to go out there and it's crazy now to get recognized more for this than when i actually played out there on the pga tour we couldn't have you on Colt without asking um, your
2: opinion on all the craziness um, of the last two weeks—the um, supposed merger between the PIF and the PGA Tour and Live. Did you did you see this coming? Did you did you did you think it would happen?
3: No, I didn't. I mean, I think when that news came out that morning, I think we all thought it was a joke, uh, just because there was no talk of it or anything like this. And hearing everything Jay had to say, like. I've been a huge Jay Monaghan fan. He has been great to me. I thought he did a great job. And now with everything that happens, obviously he's been very hypocritical with everything. The The stance he took in Canada last year when he was in the booth with Jim Nance was obviously extremely aggressive and saying, you know, have, have you ever had to apologize for being on the PGA tour? And then turning the 180 and saying we're going to merge and we're going to be, you know, supported by the PIF. It was it was shocking. You know, there's still so much. I think that we have to learn and figure out what's going to what's going to happen. I know there was a meeting just recently at Travelers where players came out and obviously there there wasn't as much tension, but they're still they have no answers, which I think is the biggest problem. I think this this announcement got rushed. I don't know if they thought it was going to get leaked or what it was, but it, it was so rushed. I mean, the fact that no one knew about it, but other than three or four people um, is really surprising in, in today's world. But to come out and just say, hey, we're merging. We don't really know our plan, but here we go. Uh, I I know that ruffled a lot of feathers the wrong way, considering, like you said, I mean, if you like it or not, Liv's there, and Liv's got infinity money, and a lot of the guys turned down massive contracts that they could have went over there and made hundreds of millions of dollars, and then now, if it works the way people are thinking is, they get to come back and tee it up on the PGA Tour. There's going to be some pissed off people if that happens, and I I get it. Um, You know, my whole stance the entire time is, I want the best players in the world playing together as much as possible you know i don't know what the behind the scenes like phil mickelson did like i mean obviously he's been very outspoken about it him and i talked at the u.s open i I don't know what their books look like i don't i don't know any of that stuff that's not me i'm just i'm a golf fan i work in golf i work on the pga tour i'm a fan and i just want to see these guys out there like i said earlier i miss seeing dustin and aj out there i want to see these guys battling it out Um, people give me shit all the time about saying how I'm a PGA tour shield. Listen, that's the tour I cover, but I'm also at the end of the day, a golf fan. I I walked with Brooks and Bryson Saturday at the PGA. I told sellers "I said, give it to me. I'll go with them. And I called it just like I would any other thing. I called it when they hit great shots. I called it when they hit bad shots. I made jokes here and there that that I did my job and I will always do my job. But if someone asks me my opinion, I'm also going to give it. And I just think it, it sucks in today's world when you give an opinion and someone disagrees of it, they think you're the biggest scum on the on the planet. Like like you and I are friends. We we don't agree about everything, but we're still friends. Like what's wrong with that? We disagree on things all the time. But at the end of the day, we can go share a beer and dinner and still get along great. Um, pre the announcement, did you I mean, obviously being a did you watch any of the live stuff? Did you watch any of the tournaments? I've watched I don't watch every single round. But I, at some point in the week, I have tuned in and watched a part, part of it. Um, listen, there, there's a lot of great players out there. Am I the biggest fan of the format? No. Do I Okay, like so m- So having
2: watched it, are there things that you like about it and things that you don't like about Liv? Well, I not like the... the pol- co- not the political stuff, but yeah. the, the actual way that the tournaments and the format and The way the broadcast looks—is there anything that you've gone? Okay, I don't mind that. And then there's things you've gone. No, I don't like that.
3: Now I think it's cool how—I mean—they fly around in the broadcast. They—they show so many shots. But at the same time, as a person who doesn't know what that golf course is, I have no idea what number eight is. I have no idea what number twelve is. Like, I think it's great. Like, people want shot, shot, shots. But also, like, okay, is this a hard shot? Is it a tough shot? What is this hole? Like, is he jammed up here? I have no idea. You know, the shotguns start. I I that's just not that's not for me. That's just my opinion. Like I want the leaders teeing off last, coming up 18. Like I don't want it and I don't want to know like if I'm finishing on eighteen and I'm tied with Brooks Kepka and he's finishing on two, is two a birdie hole? Wait, is this hole harder? Like what there's just so much involved. Like I want everybody to play this. I know they're playing at the same time, which is great because you never have to worry about bad waves or anything. Um, but I just I, I like the leaders coming up last. Um, with a massive gallery around and everything like that you know the team thing hasn't sold me yet maybe one day it it will like i'm just i guess a traditionalist in that like professional golf is an individual sport um that's what makes it different like i use the example of tennis right Uh, are the ratings better in the in the finals of the singles in major championships or the finals of the doubles like just no no one cares about that part that's not what tennis is um the music is what it is. I don't. I don't really care. I listen to music when I play go- play golf at home. During professional golf, it's not normally out there, but it's different. um It's it's been a disruptor. There's no doubt about it. I don't mind different things, but I don't think I should get hated on if I say, "Hey, I don't like watching the live broadcast. Like I would rather watch the PGA Tour broadcast. I don't want to watch the XFL. I want to watch the NFL. That's just that's just my yeah. personal opinion." Um, you know,
2: I've been saying for a couple you know couple of months now. um You know, I'm a big Formula One guy. Um, I've gotten to know Denny Hemlin because I've helped him for with his golf. He he races NASCAR. If he's got a chance to win, I'll watch. But if he's not, I don't watch it. It doesn't mean that I don't like the sport. It doesn't mean that I don't have an appreciation for what they do. I, I got to go to Homestead, the, the race in Miami with Denny and hang out on this bus and hang out in the pits. And it was unbelievable. And to watch all the things that he has to do as a race car driver was was amazing to me. But I tend to, I mean, I'm obsessed with Formula One. I have been for years, even before the drive to survive, because I lived in Europe for so much of my life. I watch the qualifying. I watch the practice. That's my jam. And it doesn't mean that I don't think that NASCAR is great. And it's been, I think, it's just my opinion, Colt, but I think that Jay wanted the fans, in my opinion, to choose between live or the PGA Tour. And it seemed to me that he wanted you to choose. And I kept saying, listen, if you like watching golf, there's some great golf being played. I mean, honestly, Cole, you you know, I'm a straight shooter. I saw DJ play some of the best golf that he's played in a long time last summer. Um, I saw Cam Smith play some great golf. Um, Peter Uline and Pete P, P Reed are playing some great golf. Um, so there is some great golf being played. And I think one of the positive things is once everybody got to the Masters and Brooks did what he did, Phil did what he did, and Patrick Reed, I think there were a lot of people that thought that that wasn't going to happen. I think a lot of people thought that those guys were going to show up in big tournaments now and not be able to play. And, and as a player, you, you and I both know it doesn't matter where you're winning golf tournaments. If you're winning a lot of golf tournaments on the mini tours, that means that you're doing the right things. And I think if you're winning, regardless of where you're winning, it means that you're playing great golf. And that was the thing that I think upset me the most is I was seeing these guys work as hard as they've always worked. And um I th- I think the golf, everybody kept saying the golf is different. And I was like, the golf isn't any different. The,
3: the format not, might be different. Yeah, the golf's not any different. You still got to go out there. You can only beat who you're teeing it up against, which, you know, th- Brooks Kepka's won twice out there. Dustin Johnson, I believe, has won twice out there now. Um, like you said, it's it's your opinion. Do you want to watch golf? Then turn it on. It's very simple. If you don't want to watch it, great. Um, you know, those guys if 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 they have time to prepare now, I would say if they did a good job of making their schedule the way it is so that therefore they can kind of get some get some starts before the major championships. Because if they didn't start their schedule till, you know, middle of April and the Masters was their first tournament four months, I don't think as you know a player you would probably feel a little rusty going in so they've done a great job but as i said at the start of the show i thought brooks kepka when when he won in orlando and he looked really healthy i thought we were about to see another dominant major performance by brooks kepka and it's it's starting to turn out that way
2: well one of the things behind the scene that you know because i've been a part of live since it started that's not by choice that's just all my guys went to live but the tournament in orlando they added that tournament because the players that were going to be playing in the Masters said, hey, can we have another tournament week before the Masters so we can get some more reps? So in that respect, I think that that's not something that a lot of people that are against Live realize. It has been very, very player-centric. I remember the first one in London less than a, you know a year ago. It finished on Saturday so that they could get everybody that was playing in the US Open, everybody could either leave Saturday night or Sunday and get to the US Open because we were in London. So in that respect, I think they they've done some cool things. Do you think, Colt, that Live Coming About has made some positive change? I mean, one of the positive changes that I think coming about is, I mean, last year, if you before Live London, if somebody would have told you, hey, there's going to be a pathway for college golfers now to immediately get onto the corn ferry. Um, I, I, I think if Liv doesn't come around, I don't know if that happens. And I think that is something that
3: as soon as it happened, everybody
2: said it should have happened 10 years ago.
3: The, the two things that come to my mind when I think about what positive things Liv has brought to the game, obviously a lot of money for these guys because the PGA Tour had to step up and be like, okay, there's another option for guys to go play if we don't react and improve like we could lose some of our top guys which they did lose some but they could have lost more um they got a lot more money involved which is great now is it sustainable i don't know maybe this is what this whole pif thing's about and the other thing is what you mentioned pga tour you uh i am a huge fan of this you know i think lives one of the things they could have done to make their tour really strong is to get all the top college players out and now with this program how you can have the number one guy get direct access to the pga tour the next nine get access out on the corn ferry tour. I mean, look what's just happened since NCAAs. The first two winners on the Corn Ferry Tour are PGA tour, you guys. And then Fred Biondi, who won NCAAs individually, contended in his first one. So this is great for these guys. I love that they can get out there right now and try to get their feet wet in professional golf. And hell, I mean, I don't want to butcher the guy's name that won the first won the BMW just a couple weeks ago, but then he finished high up recently in Wichita, and he's already seventh on that corn fairy tour points list. Like he's, he's going to play his way onto the PGA tour. Most likely
0: at bed three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
1: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
0: A Redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes.
1: Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
2: So where does this end up in your opinion? Um, I heard rumors that Scotty got an offer. I mean, I know that Scotty was asking a bunch of questions. Um, Scotty said that one of the reasons he didn't go is because he was told by Jay and the guys in Ponte that there was no pathway back. And now it seems like they're... Is going to it sounds like there's going to be a pathway back. But one of the things that nobody's talking about is if Live continues, which I think it probably will for the for 24 and then might morph into something different. But if Live continues in the same way that it's continued, 14 events, and then you've got guys playing in the majors, the players that I've talked to, Colt, there's this big I think it's a myth that everybody wants to rush back and start playing every week on the PGA Tour. Um, some of the players I've talked to have said, listen, I'd play maybe two, maybe three tournaments max. And there are tournaments that I've won at. There's tournaments that I like the course, whatever. So where do you see all of this playing out? And is there a way that you could see that live in the PGA Tour Coexist in the same way that live in the DP World and, I mean, uh, the PGA Tour and DP World, PGA Tour and Asia, all those things. Do you see there's a way to coexist?
3: Uh, on your first point about not everybody wanting to come back, you know, I agree with with you on that. I'm people, whether people believe it or not, I'm still very friendly with a lot of the guys that play on Live. I talk to him a lot, and I'm not going to use his name, but I was talking to one last week at the U.S. Open, and he's like. Colt, I don't want to come back. He goes, I am having a great life out here. I have four kids at home. I get to spend a lot more time with them. I was like, dude, I respect that. That is perfectly fine. Like, at least you're owning up to it. The problem I had at the start was when everybody complained about how they don't want to play this many events. They can go do this. Um, They can only play at, at start. I think it was eight. Now it's 14 events. They get to spend more time. But then all of a sudden they're fighting to play more tournaments. And I'm like, OK, well, which one is it? Do you want to play a lot of tournaments or do you not want to play a lot of tournaments? So for that guy like I I totally get it. You know, is there going to be a pathway back? I I don't know. I don't know what the whole thing what's going to come of this. Obviously Yasser is going to have a big say in everything. I mean, he's the money behind this. The the PGA Tour says, you know, they've agreed that they're going to stay in control. So there's just so many like I don't understand in my opinion, I don't understand why the guy with all the money who's putting it up is going to have no say. But you listen to Jimmy Dunn, you listen to Jay Monahan. Now Take Jay Monahan's word for what it's worth right now. I mean, people are like, hey, he's lied once. Why wouldn't he lie again? So I, I get that. Jimmy Dunn has been very outspoken. And he's the one who's given us the most information of anyone. And so if things go the way Jimmy says, yes, there will be a pathway back. And one day, you know, I just I want I want the best in the world to be there. We got to figure out a lot of things. We got to figure out the world rankings because there's there's guys that live that their ranking has fallen so far that they're not going to be in the majors. And that sucks. Like Bryson should be in the majors. Patrick Reed should be in the majors. Obviously, Brooks is going to be in the majors. Dustin is going to be in them. But there's some Taylor Gooch. Like, what happened to him at the U.S. Open? I I disagreed with. Um, I flat out said like he he qualified. I get it. It was qualified, He qualified through a PGA Tour category, but that was wrong to take that away from him. His existence and then you've got the Mike. And
2: then you've got Mike Wan from the USGA coming out in the middle of that controversy, saying I re- I don't care about the quality of the field. I was just like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, what do you? Yeah. What, how are you? How are you running the USGA, and you've got the US Open, one of the four majors, and you are actually on record saying you don't care about the quality of the field. I just couldn't. I just couldn't believe that comment.
3: Yeah, sometimes the mouth moves faster than the brain, and I have a feeling he probably was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's not very good at a major championship or ever." But my biggest thing is like, I just it's we got to sit back and just see what happens because we don't know enough. We're all just speculating what's going to happen. You know, I I hate the division in golf. I I hate that some people are over there and some other people are over here. Like I I want as whether it's 12 events, 14 events a year, the best players in the world, because for the PGA Tour, just on their side, like the designated events have gone so well. They have been so exciting. We've had incredible leaderboards. We've had the random, you know, long shot coming up and contending against the guys um nick taylor I, comes to mind at phoenix and now he will to kitty yama bay hill yeah, great kitty yama exactly I mean, there's some of these guys and that's why i mean i disagree with a lot of the pga tours doing i love the money this limited field no cut thing i i hate it's terrible i i, I like the way things are i like the openness of the pga tour being able to qualify and get in the mix and having a, a guy that you've never heard of or at least the average golf fan has never heard of up there competing with rory McIlroy, jordan spieth on a sunday
2: yeah, it's um, it's interesting times. Do you does Jay survive? Huh. I mean, if you're on the PGA tour and you listen to what Jay said, you listen to probably what Jay was telling you, what Jay was telling your agent, what Jay was telling everybody on your team. Stay loyal. There's no pathway back. The PGA tour is the place to be. And then, nine eleven, human rights, all of that. So. If you were still playing, would you be saying? I mean, I talked to a player at the Grove Sunday before we went out to the US Open who is currently still playing on tour, and he said, I'll never believe anything anyone from Pontevedra from the PJ Tour, Jay Monaghan, tells me again. I will never believe that. This is a, this is a player that has won tournaments. He has won He's had a great career. And he said, listen, it's just going to be hard for me moving forward to believe them. So where do they go and how do they try and get the player's confidence back?
3: Yeah, I think that's the big question is because, I mean, everything took a 180 with that announcement. And, you know, for for the average guy, like, listen, they might have gotten a small live offer, whatever it is, like, the big guys are the ones who turned down all the money and said, trust us, stay with us. You know, if you leave, you can't come back, all this. And then all of a sudden, boom, it flips. Yeah, I'd have a hard time trusting that guy. You know, especially another thing he kept saying throughout this whole time is, it's the players tour, right? I'm I just there to run it. I go through the players. The, this is the players tour. Well, you just made this decision without talking to any players. So therefore, that puts a lot of doubt in the leadership. Now, can they swim out of it? Yeah, I probably think they can. Honestly, having Jimmy Dunn involved, which he's so close to a lot of the players, I think can can help a lot. But they got a lot of work to do. They have so much work to do to get these the trust back in these players. Does he survive? Man, I don't know. I don't even know how the hell. I don't know if the players can come together and vote him off. I don't know how any of that works. I was never on the pack or any of that. So I'm not sure how that process goes. But I just know they have a, a lot of work ahead of them.
2: Nobody. Player, caddy, agent, manufacturer, broadcast partner, reporter, nobody knows anything. Then it comes out the Jays come down with some you know, health issues. Nobody knows any information about that. When you're part of Live and you come back to the PGA Tour ecosystem, all you do is get questions about Live. And after the Masters, when all the guys went back to the next Live event and got back into the Live ecosystem... Everybody that didn't go to the masters, all the players, all the caddies, all the everybody was asking us, okay, what was it like? Some of the sting and some of the the animosity and the venom was out because now the live guys are in the same group as the PGA tour guys. They don't have a clue what the hell's going on.
3: Yeah. And I think going back to Augusta, everybody was hoping there was going to be this massive animosity between the guys. There'd be some scene or something that would happen. Dude, that's not how it is. These guys still hang out, they practice together, they play together, they still talk a lot. So I think the Masters was a big one to answer all that. Then the PGA happened and there was a little bit, but now they're like, okay, this is two events we played. There's been no issues. Like, we don't need to talk about it this week. And I think at the US Open is that range was down there and it was kind of secluded. There was no gallery members down there or anything. So guys could just sit down there and muck it up if they wanted, talk about whatever they wanted, talk about sports, like, and just show that, like, hey, we're still friends. Like, this is no big deal. He he made a choice to go over here and play golf. I don't hate him for it. He made a hundred and something million dollars. Good for him. Why wouldn't you take that? But you know what? Now he's here this week. We can hang out like old times. I mean, Gary Woodland, who's one of my best friends in the world, played both of his practice rounds with Brooks and Dustin. Like there's there's none of that between these guys. I just think there's uh, some players that are very frustrated with the fact that they got told one thing about going over there and now it looks like it might go the other way. But we're just gonna have to sit back and wait and see.
2: Lastly, your podcast subpar with your cohort, Drew Stoltz. Um, have you been surprised by the popularity and uh, what have you liked about doing it?
3: I really have. Yeah. When, when golf.com came to us, I don't know how long ago it was, and said, Would you be interested in doing this? We're like, Yeah, we'll try it and see what happens. And it's it's gone way different than I thought it would. You know, obviously, we have a great relationship with so many of the guys, but just the success of it. I mean, when I'm going up and down fairways, people yelling birdie juice and who's on the pod next and all this. It's great. It's I love that people are tuned in and listening to it. And I have so much fun with, I mean, I don't know how you feel about doing it, but it's just for, for me, like I just want these guys to come in and feel like there's no microphone. It's just three dudes or two dudes in a, in a great LPGA golfer sitting down and just chopping it up and having a good time and showing that, you know what, everyone here is just a human and we can, we can have fun. We can talk about other things. But yes, I, I'm very surprised um, of how well it's gone, but it's been, a, it's been a blast.
2: I mean, you've
3: got a studio. I'm doing this from my kitchen. I
2: mean, I've never felt more <laughs> kind of you know insignificant and and inferior to you with your big studio and all that. I'm doing this all on the fly. I've got shit propped up here. The cameras are going off. You don't have any of that problem, Colt.
3: Yeah, I think you're doing just fine. I wouldn't stress too much about it.
2: Listen, I appreciate you uh, coming on the pod. If you ever need me to come on, you know, subpar. I oh, will do I'm it. Like,
3: uh, um, but are you coming over for the British? I am not. So uh, NBC has that. So I'll be off. And I'm actually going to have two weeks off, which I haven't felt like I've done it forever. So a little downtime. And then uh, we, we roll through the playoffs. And then I'm going to just take a little break. I need, I need some sleep. I'm having too much fun. Well,
2: I think you're doing a great job and continued success.
3: Thanks, Claude. I really appreciate it, man. So
2: that was Colt Nost. And listen, you're going to get opinions from Colt, And that's why I like it. But I, I do think that what Colt said is is something that, that, that I think is really important. Listen, um, Colt is a big PGA Tour guy. And rightly so. He played on the PGA Tour. He broadcasts for CBS. They broadcast the PGA Tour. Um, he gets a lot of grief for his stance. Um, as someone that is pro PGA Tour on social media, I don't have a problem with that. And Colt, is somebody that I respect. I like his opinion. I like the fact that he has opinions. We don't always see eye to eye, but he's certainly not somebody that I'm not going to talk to because um, we don't see eye to eye on what's going on with Liv. Um, I think he's informed. Um, I think he is thoughtful in what he says. And I think there is an irreverence about what he says and his takes and opinions. And that's what I like. And that's why I think He's doing great on TV because he says things that a lot of people are thinking. And he also says things that people say, man, I can't believe he said that. And to me, that's what makes great TV. So thank him for coming on. If you don't listen to his uh, podcast, Subpar, check it out. Um, He's got some great guests and they've got some great shows and um, they're doing great stuff over there. He and his partner, Drew Stoltz. If you don't listen, check it out. Keep checking out Son of a Butch. Um, We're going to keep getting some really, really good guests. Um, One more major coming up and um, lots and lots to talk about in the coming weeks and the coming months. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see you next week.